0: It's so good to be back uh, uh, here again with you. So it seemed like it was just yesterday. You know, seven days ago we we uh, began to share. I gave you uh, a little bit of you know introduction of who I am. My name is Bill Lawson. I'm here right now in uh, Stores, Connecticut, a very small college town uh, in the north uh, east section of the state of Connecticut, about a half an hour from Massachusetts. And uh, uh, the campus of the University of Connecticut is just uh, in front of my house, about a a one minute walk. Uh, uh, 27,000 students there, it's the big state university. And uh, uh, a number of us have been meeting here for uh, about eight or nine years, mainly uh, working with the students on campus here, uh, bringing them uh, to our, our home for fellowship and so on. So it's good to be back uh, to talk to you again. Of course I'm here my uh, son-in-law Matt is here staying at our house with his wife and my uh, two of my uh, grandchildren. So it's so good, you know, if you remember last uh last Lord's Day, last Sunday we looked at the uh, gospel of John, uh, an outstanding book that is very familiar to most believers especially verses like John three sixteen, and uh, verses like that are very familiar with that verse. And what I did, I just remained in John chapter 1, and I, I, I talked about six matters in John chapter 1, which cover the whole purpose of God from eternity past into eternity in the future. So that means these 51 verses in John chapter 1 cover eternity past, into eternity future. That's the book of John, a very profound, probably the deepest book among the four Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, we saw in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That's the beginning in eternity past. That's the beginning before creation. That's pre creation. He was the eternal Logos, Christ was there eh, embodied in the eternal logos, which is the explained God, the defined God, and the expressed God. This God wanted to have a purpose in, in, in uh, eternity past, extending to eternity future. So he's the eternal word. He's the logos, right? He's a speaking God. And in time, right, he became a man. And we see that in verse 14. It says, the word became flesh. That means God became a man. He existed with divinity from eternity. In time, he put on a nature that he never had in eternity in the past. That's the nature of humanity, blood, flesh, and bones that he never had. Then it says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That means God wants a tabernacle on the earth. That's why uh, some versions say God dwelt on earth, but tabernacle is a more accurate translation of the Greek word. God has a tabernacle. That's a dwelling place. That's a building. So we know that when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt, through the wilderness in the wilderness they they uh, they constructed a tabernacle, and God now was not merely the God in the heavens, now he was a God on the earth, dwelling, and he was among the people in the tabernacle, where the tabernacle went, God went right then God's desire is not merely to have that tabernacle of God among men, God's desire is to be. To dwell within man. In the Old Testament, God could only be among man and with man. He's not in man yet. He's not in hum- humanity. But when he became a man, he became God's tabernacle. God is now dwelling with man, and man is in God. God is in man, and man is with God. Okay, then we saw after John verse, chapter 1, verse uh, 14, that it says, uh, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, he took away the sin of the world. That's the, uh, the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. After he was incarnated, we know 33 and a half years later, he died a, a horrible death on the cross, but uh, uh, that that death, Took away the sin of the world. Now we have the right to come to God. We can be reconciled to God. We can be redeemed from our sins by his blood. So he's the Lamb of God. That's an offering that those in the Old Testament brought to the tabernacle so they could meet God and have access to God. He takes away the sin of the world. That's verse 29. Then in verse 32, it, it tells us that that the dove lighted upon the Lord on the lamb. There was a dove like a, like a bird, not a real bird, but it was like a bird that lighted upon the lamb. That shows that Christ in his redemption became the life-giving spirit on the third day, the day of his resurrection. The dove is a type of the spirit in the New Testament. So when we confess our sins, the Lord Jesus comes into us as the dove, as the spirit of God, and he regenerates us. So now we're born again. We're cleansed with the blood and we're regenerated with his divine life. Then in verse 42, if you jump to verse 42, right when he met Peter for the first time, he said, Peter, your name is Cephas. That means a little pebble, a little stone. And on this rock, right? He said, I know your name, right? You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means a stone. So the Lord was going to change his name from a man of clay to a man of stone. Why a stone? Because stones are good for God's building. Adam was made out of the dust of the ground, the red clay. His name, Adamah, in Hebrew means red clay but god's desire is to transform we human beings with blood flesh and bones into stones for what for god's building so god can dwell in man man can dwell in god then in john 151 the last verse the lord unveils himself as the answer to jacob's dream in genesis chapter 28 he saw the angels ascending and descending Oh, what on that ladder? The angels are there, but the Lord said in John 151, centuries after Jacob's dream, that ladder is Christ, and Christ there is designated not as the Son of God there, but as the Son of Man. He's the Son of God with divinity, and he's the Son of Man with humanity. Now, Christ is the ladder. He's the one that came down out of heaven with divinity. He came to the earth in time with humanity. And then what he did after he after he uh, accomplished redemption, became the life-giving spirit, uh, regenerated the disciples, right 40 days later, he ascended back into the third heavens. So he went back as the ladder, he brought God and man back into the third heavens, and now that eternal building of God and man, man and God, is realized in the last two chapters of the book of revelation chapters twenty one and chapters twenty two so you have john one one john one fourteen john one twenty nine John 132, John 142, and John 151. Okay. Then, if you look at Genesis chapter 2, I know I'm going fast, but I have limited time. When God created man, Adam, and right after he created the man Adam, Adam was alone without a, without a helper, without a match. So God wanted a helper to match Adam, exactly like Adam. So he put Adam to sleep on the cross, in a sense. If you read Romans chapter 5, Adam is a biblical figure and type of the coming Christ. Not in Adam sinning, no, but in Adam before man's fall. Adam is a positive type of Christ. So when God put Adam to sleep on the cross, that means God put Christ to death on the cross centuries later. Okay, when Adam woke up, who was there? Eve. During that time of sleeping or rest, God took a rib, a bone out of Adam's side, and he built built that bone into a woman and brought the woman, Eve, back to Adam. Now Adam and Eve have one life and one living. The rib that God took from Adam, which is the divine life that God had in Christ, that life produced the church, the body of Christ, and it's a building. It said said that Jehovah built this woman, out of the rib of Adam. So in Genesis 2 is the first sign that God wants a building. Paul in Romans, Paul in Ephesians 5 said that Christ and the church are a type of Adam and Eve. Adam is Christ, Eve is the church. How is the church built? It's built by the unbroken life of Christ imparted into believers in resurrection. That church began to be built up in the book of Acts, there in Pentecost in Acts 2 for the Jews and in Acts 10 with the Gentile believers, both the Jews, right, who are redeemed, who are regenerated, who have now God in them, God is the life in them, begins to work in human beings. Now God gets into man. Now God is in man and man is in God. Now the clay nature in Adam Right in the believers in the New Testament is transforming them into stones for God's building. God comes into our spirit with his divine life, he then spreads into our soul transforms our soul, then enters into our physical body to transfigure our body and transform our entire three-part being into precious stones that we can be built up together as believers in God's resurrection life. So the building in Genesis 2, right, (laughs) There is further expanded by the tabernacle in Exodus 25. Then in 1 Kings chapter 8, there is the temple being built, which is a more solid building than the tabernacle. The tabernacle is built with boards of gold overlaid with wood. The gold is a divinity. The wood is a humanity. The tabernacle in Exodus 25 becomes the temple in First Kings 8. That's the Old Testament building. But when God came as a man in the New Testament, he no longer wants a physical building. He is after a building to build himself into man and to build man into God by redeeming us, his life comes into us transforms us, changes us from clay to precious stones. And that's John chapter 1. Because in John chapter 1, he's the tabernacle. In John chapter 2, the Lord said, destroy this temple, destroy this body of his, destroy this temple, not the physical one. But he himself, the Lord Jesus, is now the temple of God. If you destroy me, my body is God's temple where God is dwelling. In three days, I will raise it up. And this spoke about the temple of his body. In resurrection, the enemy destroyed. He tried to destroy the Lord's physical body. But in resurrection, the Lord resurrected his entire being to Bring into realization God's God's spiritual body, the church, the believers, composed of all the born-again believers who are built together, meeting together, fellowshipping together, singing together, praying together, and, and testifying together. That's the building God is after, a building of God in man and man in God. In Matthew 16... The Lord, right, he told Peter, Peter, you're a stone. You're a little you're a little pebble. That's the Greek word petros, P E T R O S, a little pebble, pebble. Right? I upon this rock, that's the Greek word petra, P E T R A. A massive rock like the rock of Gibraltar that I visited in Europe years ago. Peter is a little petros. Petra is the Greek word for a gigantic rock, which is Christ. On Christ, who is the son of a living God, with his divine nature, with his human nature getting into us, Christ is going to build his church. That's the building that God wants. Then, in Acts 2, the building came into being on the day of Pentecost. The Jewish believers, and then in Acts 10, the Gentile believers became members of the body of Christ, began to grow in life, began to express God, began to spread the church life over the known world at that time, in Asia, in Europe, going all the way to Rome. That's God's building. It was being spread. It was being built up on the earth centuries ago. Then Paul, in his first Corinthians chapter three chapter, he told the Corinthian believers, you are God's farm, God's building. And we would say, what, Paul, what do you mean? We believers, Christians meeting as the church in Corinth, we are God's farm. That means God is growing Christ in us. He wants to grow Christ in us to such an extent that we become God's building. So he talks about wood, grass, and stubble, which are not good for building. Then he talks about gold and silver and precious stones. That's the building material the Lord wants to use to build us into the body of Christ, the church. Then eventually... In Revelation, you have the final product. John talks about the tabernacle in chapter 21, verse 3. There's the tabernacle. The same tabernacle was back in Exodus, right? And so on. The tabernacle of God, there is in uh, Revelation. Chapter 21, the tabernacle is what? God dwelling in a corporate group of millions of believers for eternity. We will be on this earth as God's dwelling place. Where's the temple? It says, John, the said, I don't see any temple, right? In Revelation 21 and 22, right? 21 verse 3 and 21 verse 22. Why? Because the tabernacle now is where God dwells in man. The temple now is the same building where man dwells in God. God dwells in man to be the tabernacle. Man dwells in God to be the temple. So for eternity in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth on this earth, God will have a massive building of God and man built together. God built in man, man built into God. That's what we will be for all eternity. No more physical building, an eternal building of God and man. That's how the Bible ends. You got it? I know I went fast, but I I took you through Genesis to Revelation, 66 books in about 15 minutes. You got it? That's how we need to know the Bible.